Yesterday, I painted for you a picture of Israel's bitter disappointment. They'd had this glorious victory. No doubt they felt that all their problems had been settled once and for all. And then they went three days in the desert without finding water. They were thirsty, hot, weary, discouraged. They saw this pool of water gleaming there in the sun. But when they ran to it and stooped to drink, it was too bitter for them to drink. A terrible bitter disappointment. You know, in speaking to large and small congregations at different times, I've often asked people how many of you have had to struggle with disappointment, and very few people in such a congregation would say, I've never confronted disappointment. It's one of the things that come across our way. And really, what I'm speaking about in my talks this week is how to understand and face disappointment and get the best out of disappointment. You see, the people were unprepared. They just assumed that everything was going to be easy from then on. There would be no more tests of their faith. But God was not unprepared. God knew what to do. He had the answer. The people grumbled and got nothing. Moses prayed and God showed him the answer. God had that tree ready. He knew what was to be done but it was only through prayer that Moses could find the solution. And I pointed out in my talk yesterday two lessons that apply from that story for you and me today. The first lesson is that great victories prepare us for great testings. They're, they don't indicate that there'll be no more testings. The second lesson was that the bitter pool was in God's program. He led them there. He had a purpose. And then I said yesterday that we still come to bitter pools in our lives today. And I gave you some examples. A broken marriage, a business failure, a health breakdown, disillusionment with a human leader, or perhaps even with a human parent. Today I'm going to make a further application of this story. I'm going to speak on the purpose of testing. You see, the question in our lives is not whether we will experience testing, 
but only how we will respond to the testing. The testing there at Marah exposed an area in the character of the Israelites that needed to be dealt with, an area that was expressed in grumbling. Let me tell you this, that the Bible has nothing good anywhere to say about grumbling. And grumbling is a way not to solve your problems, but to magnify them. It's not the way out of your problems to grumble. And if, when you come under pressure, you begin to grumble, then you are like the Israelites. There's an area in your character that needs to be dealt with. God knew that area was there all along. But he had to let you come to the bitter pool so that you'd find out what was really inside you. You see, that act of grumbling indicates lack of faith, lack of gratitude, self-centeredness, a lot of things that are serious problems and that hinder our further progress in the Lord. The Lord had a lot further for Israel to go than the pool of Marah. He really was taking them to the land that he'd promised. But they weren't fit to make the full journey to the promised land until that thing in their character, which was exposed at Marah, had been dealt with. So when you come to your Marah, your bitter waters, you begin to grumble. Realize that there's something in you that has to be dealt with. And God brought you to that place that he might deal with that thing. But he can only deal with it if you cooperate. You see, the Bible warns us clearly that we are going to experience testing. It's stated many times. One particularly clear passage is in the epistle of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I never read those words without asking myself, is that how I react to trials of many kinds? Is that how you react to trials of many kinds? When you're walking with the Lord and you're confronted with all sorts of trials, do you consider it pure joy? Do you say, hallelujah, praise God for this trial? Or do you do what the Israelites did, begin to grumble, Lord, why did you let that happen to me? God, I thought you had this situation in control. Now I don't know what to do. Let me read on what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, one essential element in Christian character is perseverance. Until we achieve perseverance, there are goals in God which we can never attain to. And perseverance is brought out by testing our faith. You see, there's only, really only one way to learn perseverance, and that is by persevering. And in order to persevere, you have to be in a situation where perseverance is needed. James says, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's God's goal for you. Mature, fully grown up, complete, a fully rounded Christian character, not lacking anything. Do you want that? Do you want to be mature and complete, not lacking anything? How could you wish anything else? All right, then you have to go through the processes. And the process may include your particular Mara your particular bitter pool. You see, when, when you come to the bitter pool, 
there's just two alternative responses. The people grumbled. That was the response of unbelief. Moses prayed. That was the response of faith. Which will you do next time you come to that bitter pool? Which are you going to do? On the shore of that bitter pool, Moses prayed. He cried out to the Lord. There was no other source of help but the Lord. And when Moses took that course to pray rather than to grumble, the response of faith rather than the response of unbelief, God responded with a new revelation of himself. And that was God's purpose in bringing Israel to that bitter pool. He had something for them to learn. And he set them in a context, a situation, where the revelation he had for them would be appropriate. He responded with a revelation of himself. It was a double revelation, and I'm going to deal with that more fully in my following talks this week. First of all, he revealed to them the tree, the means of healing. Second, and more important still, he revealed to them himself in a new aspect, the Lord, their healer. That was his ultimate objective in that experience at the bitter pool. But today, I just want to point out to you the principle. The principle has been summed up very succinctly in a statement that I heard somebody make once. And actually, I really didn't like the statement when I heard it the first time because I thought, you know, this doesn't suggest that life is going to be the way I'd like it to be. But the statement was this. Man's disappointments are God's appointments. I've said already that a disappointment is one of the things that nearly all of us face. And disappointment really is bitter. It is a bitter pool. When you've had your hopes set high and you're moving forward and everything seems to be going right, and then it all falls apart, it crumbles, and you're left with nothing but disappointed hopes, that's a bitter pool. But what I want you to grasp today, I really want you to take this in. God led you to that bitter pool. He has something good for you at the bitter pool, if you respond the right way. Man's disappointments are God's appointments. We It's something to do with human nature, but when everything's going well, and life is pretty easy, most of us tend to be somewhat superficial. We'll be content with the status quo. We'll be content to go to church and pay our tithes and say our prayers and lead a fairly respectable kind of life. But God has got something much further and much deeper for us. And so, somehow or other, he gets us to the bitter pool. And in the depths of agony and disappointment, we cry out as Moses cried. And then we get that much deeper and fuller revelation of God, which only comes on the shores of the bitter pool. So if you've faced a bitter pool, or if you're facing a bitter pool, just bear in mind that your disappointment is God's appointment. Our theme this week has been life's bitter pool. This has been based on the experience of the Israelites in the desert when they came to the pool of Marah and found the water too bitter to drink. You remember they'd had that tremendous deliverance They'd passed through the Red Sea as though on dry ground. And then they'd gone out into the wilderness for three days, found no water, come to a pool, thought that they would be able to drink it, 
and then, to their disappointment, found that it was bitter and could not be drunk. And I've suggested to you that there's a bitter pool somewhere in the life of nearly every one of us, a place of bitter disappointment, where something that gleams and shines and seems so beautiful is not really what we thought it would be. I suggested some examples that are common in our contemporary culture today, kinds of bitter pools that you and I may have faced or may have to face. A broken marriage, a business failure, a health breakdown, or disillusionment with a human leader. And yet we saw, as we studied that incident in the history of Israel, that the bitter pool was in God's program for Israel. And I believe the same can be true in the life of each one of us. God permits us to come to the bitter pool because he has a purpose. Then when God's purpose is accomplished, the bitter, through the supernatural work of God, turns to sweet if we respond aright to God's dealings. It's so important that we respond aright. Today I'm going to express this vital truth of our experience as a comprehensive principle that operates in every area of life. In fact, I would say that God has built this principle into the operation of the universe itself. There are two passages I particularly have in mind that state the principle. The first is found in the Old Testament. The second, which we look at later, is found in the New. First, we look at the passage in the Old Testament. It's found in Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is a prophetic passage which I believe is coming into fulfillment in our day. It's the promise of God to his people Israel to restore them, to restore them to himself, to restore them to the blessings that he has for them, to restore them to their land. And here in Hosea, he describes the way that he's going to work out their restoration. I want you to listen carefully because, as so often, the way God does things is not the way you and I would expect him to do things. And therefore, we have to be, as it were, watchful, or we'll miss what God is doing. This is what the Lord says concerning the restoration of Israel in Hosea 2, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. See, sometimes God begins to allure us. That word is a rather mystical word. It's, it contains the thought of somehow dealing with us in a way that we don't fully understand, and yet we feel drawn. He says, I will lead her into the desert. The desert is not normally the place of blessing. And speak tenderly to her. Literally in Hebrew, the Lord says, I will speak to her heart. That's a very beautiful expression in Hebrew. You see, it's not always possible for God to speak to our heart. Sometimes our heart is closed. Sometimes we're not responsive. So God has to work in our lives and bring about situations like bringing Israel into the desert where he can speak to our heart. Then this is what he says. Once he's gained her attention, there I will give her back her vineyards, and will make the valley of Echor a door of hope. You need to know that in Hebrew the word Echor means trouble. I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. That phrase door of hope in Hebrew is Petach Tikva, 
and it's the name of one of the major suburbs of Tel Aviv today. But it's taken there from that passage in Hosea. I will make the valley of Echor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And you notice we, we saw earlier in the story of the bitter pool how Miriam and all the women of Israel sang there on the shores of the Red Sea. God says, I'm going to give her back a song. Maybe I'm talking to some right now who've lost the song. I think it's tragic when a Christian loses that song. You used to have a song in your heart. You used to praise the Lord so freely and spontaneously. And now there's a heaviness. There's a doubt. There's a kind of sense of being left out. God wants to give you your back, your song. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And now we come to the purpose of God, the revelation. Just as at the bitter pool, there's a revelation of himself that God wants to give. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. See, under the old covenant, Israel's relationship to the Lord was a marriage relationship, but they knew him as Baal, as, as master. It was, a, it, was a, it was a relationship not really based on heart commitment, on deep personal love. But God says, when I restore you, you'll not come back on the same level of revelation. You'll come back on a higher revelation. You won't just call me my master. You'll call me my husband. That's a very intimate word in Hebrew. I'll show you myself in a new light. I'll show you myself as the one who loves you, as a husband loves his wife. It's a revelation of love, of deep tenderness. So you see, God's purpose in dealing with Israel was to bring them to a new revelation of himself. When I see in history all the infinite wisdom and patience of God he has expended in dealing with Israel and is still expending, I, I take tremendous courage in my own life. I think if God is so patient with, with a nation, then he can be that patient with me. And even if I do have to go through the valley of trouble, if I will continue, if I will persevere, not give up, not turn back, not grumble, not start to complain, then that valley of trouble will become for me, as for Israel, a door of hope, a door that leads me to a new and deeper and fuller revelation of the Lord, a revelation of his love and his compassion and his tenderness. You know, sometimes it's only in seasons of grief that we can really appreciate compassion and tenderness. So if it's the bitter pool, bear in mind that out of the bitter pool, God is going to reveal himself to you if you will let him speak to your heart. Now, I want to illustrate this same principle of God's dealings from a passage in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, where Paul is writing in a very personal vein about experiences that he himself had gone through, very hard, difficult experiences. The passage is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. 
Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. Literally, it's from such a death. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. There's a man speaking out of personal experience. He said, we were under such pressure, we despaired of life. It was far beyond our ability to endure. Do you suppose that Paul was out of the will of God in that situation? There's no indication, whatever. He was in the full will of God. He was doing the purpose of God. He was being used of God. And yet God permitted him to come into that situation of pressure where it seemed the very life was being pressed out of him. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt, I can't take another step? There's not one more ounce of pressure that I can endure. God, why are you permitting this? Well, Paul and many other servants of the Lord have been through that before you. And there is a reason. God's reason is stated by Paul. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, God wants to bring us to a place where we're at the end of all confidence in ourselves. We've reached the absolute limit of our own knowledge, our experience, our strength, our ability. We've entered into an experience of death, and then out of that death, God supernaturally moves to bring us into a resurrection which is on a far higher level than we were living on before we experienced that death. You see, God always is leading us upwards. He's leading us onwards. But if he's going to bring us into a resurrection, he has to bring us through a death. I've experienced that in my own life. And I remember I cried out to God once and I said, God, why do you only bless the things that first die and then are resurrected? And I felt God gave me this simple answer. He said, because when I'm allowed to resurrect something, I resurrect it in the form that I want it to be in. And so if you're going to go through an experience of death, remember there's a resurrection. Remember there's a new revelation of God, a deeper, fuller knowledge of God. If you'll just hang on and trust him and believe him. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Razor, Revolution One Dove Radio. Syndicate of the Daniel and Pearl Ministries, News Cap. Um, I'm getting ready to set things up for my first introduction to the college down here at OU. Um, I took some things with the Hope. Um, I'm hopefully hoping to get things up. Cleaning my home, have it finished before the end of August. And, and that's a recap besides the other things coming in. It's Kookaburra and other things that we're going to be doing starting in August or September. I put it a little bit back because I've been doing some things, renovations on the home. Right now my bedroom is still in renovation process, so it's pretty bad looking. Um, just got the new porch on for my church house. Um, got approval for uh, <clears throat> having a church house in the college. Um, got to get it structured. I'll be doing it this weekend. Um, some other things coming in. 
and I'm I'm stoked. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not too excited. My glasses are right in my nose, um, and I got a loose tooth, two loose teeth right now. Here's the news: Sling, A.K.A. A.O.C. Winters and the other group of Neanderthals in Congress got their ass in a sling this morning. I just got the news. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to paraphrase. But what happened? They did some no-nos with the Supreme Court, including Biden. They released some information that was supposed to be hidden by the Supreme Court by law. There was a choker on it. And they went around the choker to release it. Um, AOC's got herself going to Leathersworth, people. Mm, interesting. Winners, too, over this. There was a gag order, just like you do any um, court. For instance, my papers are here. I, there's a gag order because the state's going through and looking for it because they found some things dealing with <clears throat> BLM and uh, Antifa related. Um, news, I plan to get my new license in, my ERTs and all that will be renewed. Still have to get my brakes renewed, done. Um, calipers have to be ordered because the, the old calipers are gone right now, pressure-wise. Um, so it stays parked. I have to walk or take a cab to go everywhere. Right now, back on the focus. AOC got her butt in a sling, releasing information to MSNBC and these other networks, not Fox, but your Democratic networks. Um, releasing things and then name calling and she got arrested right on the spot. Interesting that Omar and her and them are possibly going to prison and it involves Biden releasing information over Roe Ro, Ro versus Wade being overturned. And now they're trying to get some kind of executive order to reinstate it, and they can't because it's in the court systems. Now they want to pack the court. That was overturned recently. And little check for nada. Biden only has three quarters of his cabinet, but the other ones were turned down. Interesting. Um, we're going into the preterm presidential elections which I plan to vote in. I won't vote Democrat because I've heard too much no, no, newsy noise going on that Biden won't be able to run again. Yay. <clears throat> and I'm going to quote this. You are to love the Father with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you are to love your neighbor as ourselves. You're not to bear false witness. You're not to lie, cheat, covet, or steal. You're not to commit adultery. That's just a few things the Father teaches. And you're not to murder. Which, my prayer was answered on the abortion bill. And we are to write these things in our hearts and mind for the living word is a living tree and it teaches life over death it's been a good day i may not get the numbers i need but it's a blessing 
that those that are there are there no matter what way you get my podcast now to general trailer events coming up august september i will be putting in my ministry as a prayer house for ohio university i'll have my prayer house open here for the general public for pastors and whoever i'm following my heart I've been doing what they call seed runs for the community to put gardens in. Um, it's vitally important here in the north we've had these things because a lot of it has been denied. Um, another news on the dockets. Biden has plans to make it mandatory everybody wear face masks in their homes of all things. I'm not wearing a face mask in my home. I refuse to wear a face mask out in public now. They're not, as a medical student, they do not work. It's been proven. I've proven it. Um, I had the Moderna shot. I'm not doing any more booster shots. I'm not going to take Pfizer now. If I do do a booster shot, I'll be Moderna and Moderna alone. Um, I've had Omicron. I've had stealth Omicron. I've had SARS. I've had it all at one time. Not going back. Um, AKA, another news on the docket come loose. A new variant of COVID has come out called BA 2.75. It's called the Black Trojan Horse. It's funny they named monkeypox with it as a Black Trojan Horse. This variant causes a blister the size of an eating spoon. People that get it end up with a little cross mark on their hand or forehead or their arm right here with a boil. Interesting. My mark is for the Father. It's my heart and mind. Um, I'm not going to go any further on that. Um, you've heard my world. You've heard what happens. You've heard everything through music um yes satan or shaitan exists in the hebrew aspect it is jazreel and lucifer they have a female and male entity just like you have a man and woman um, the father has these things also <clears throat> why i say these things is because a female carries testosterone a male carries female hormones some uh, the Bible teaches this in the Hebrew perspective. We call it Satan. That's where we get the double-minded nature. Female and female. Uh, that's scientifically proven, by the way. Um, I'm getting ready to get my vehicle back up and running before the fall starts so I can start classes in the spring. If the Lord tarries, I'll be able to and I'll get my science degree finished. I decided not to go into the medical right now. It's unsafe uh, with everything going on. Um, things are as they are right now, and I want to keep my family and me safe. I don't want to be having monkeypox running around in my home. I've got enough of COVID cleanup here to deal with it. I have my first porch put on. Uh, replaced a couple gentlemen 
locally. Angels in my right fixed my porch, and I'm determined to pay them fully off. First thing I've been able to pay nearly three years since I got the hot water tank. It's a blessing just to have somewhere to go out and sit, do my gardening, enjoy the evening, and go in. I'm getting ready to revamp my garden, um, put more out. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, I really am. Um, I don't really pay much attention to what goes on. Right now it's pretty quiet outside, considering. Um, I'm going to start watering my lawn and doing the things I normally do. Um, my gardening season started. I've got my tomatoes out, stuff like that. I encourage gardening. Um, I was going to take approach and do a gardening segment this fall uh, where I have my fall items out. Uh, spring has been a very busy, busy time for me, getting things in, getting things out, getting things done. Um, I'm happy. I just recently with Anchor got video casting. So that will be going back up. I'll have my video casting on two different or three different areas. Uh, Facebook, I had to renew Facebook because about every preacher here has been kicked off Facebook. Well, I'm going to say I do. Probably bless you. We'll start a new season. I'll complete Drake this weekend. And that's it. Um, we will start season nine or season two of our new beginning. Um, thankfully. Um, I pushed back Zola's teachings for a while and his newscast because I've not received a lot from Zola. It's all old stuff. There is something you'll get an update on Israel and what's going on. Currently, Israel is preterm for war. Iran and that is getting really evasive right now. Um, Russia's trying to make peace talks between the two of them. It's not working. It don't look good. So let's just pray Ezekiel doesn't happen and a lot of things coincide but right now we are in the end times since 1948 we are in the end times the dot is Israel the dot is the believers I'm one I'm an Israelite Jew and I am a believer so I keep that to check many say Nazarite Jew is the same thing as a Nazarene Gentile I'm just Jewish is all. Um, I love you. I'll continue teaching history and preterist values. And I love you guys. And I'll see you later. Bye.